Hey everybody, thanks for listening, and as always, thanks to our sponsor, KnowledgeBand, the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. If you want the most advanced safety technology adapted from the human performance principles of the nuclear and aviation industries, then KnowledgeBand is error reduction that works. They were the first company to tie human performance to serious injury and fatality or SIF precursors. Learn more at knowledgevine.com. In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Okay, today my guests on the show are Barry Simpson and Adrian Longley with Bead Environmental Solutions. Bead Environmental is based in the UK. The company has a market presence in the Americas, Europe, and especially the Middle East. They have a wide range of geographical experience and technical expertise covering all areas and technologies relating to environmental services, waste management, and water management within the global energy industry. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Russell. Appreciate the invite again. Well, and you just said again, I should have said my returning guests on the show were Barry Simpson and Adrian Longley because you guys were on last year. In fact, as I recall, I think we turned it into a couple of episodes. We talked a whole lot about kind of the environmental business in general, I think the first time. And then specifically, we talked about drilling waste management. And I think you guys had just completed some project on that. But with regard to drilling waste management, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, any new developments in that area? Yeah, I mean, we've been doing a lot of work in the drilling waste management area there. So we've been working with some technology companies in Europe, helping them get their technologies into the market. There was a technology for recycling of used oil-based muds that we've been working on and a couple of other technologies that are related to washing drill cuttings and cleaning them and that kind of stuff in the Middle East. So that's the kind of the new stuff that we've been working on. So these are kind of newish technologies. They're actually in there working, but they haven't been around that long. So it's something we're helping the companies develop and grow in the market. Now, that's interesting. You said oil-based mud. Are you talking about diesel-based oil mud, or are you talking about synthetic? It's mineral oil-based mud. It's not diesel. Okay, mineral oil-based mud. And you say you're recycling it? How does that work? Yeah, so it's a technology. There's a new technology, and it's used for the removal of ultra-fine solids from the oil-based mud. So you know, that you continually use oil-based mud, solids, drill solids get ground down and ground down. They get to such a small size that they can't get them out with conventional equipment or they usually have to dilute the drilling fluid. So with this type of technology, it's much more efficient at separating fine solids and conventional separators. So it allows you to recycle older fluids with a much smaller particle size of drill solid so that you can avoid dilution, you know, because dilution is expensive. It involves, you know, shipping in new products and volumes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. I could see where that would be a tremendous savings there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. So I mentioned that you guys, you have a presence of, you're based in the UK. In fact, Barry, I think, is that where you are right now? Yes, I'm in the UK at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Is that London or where is that? In Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Yes. Okay. All right. And then Adrian, where are you? I'm based in the Middle East. Uh, I'm currently in the UAE, sitting in Dubai. The UAE, and I think you're in Dubai, right? That's right. But I spend a phenomenal amount of my time in Abu Dhabi because that's obviously where most of the oil business comes from in the UAE. But funnily enough, I'm just working on an abandonment project in one of the northern emirates called Amal Quain. So I have some equipment going offshore over the weekend for some plug and abandonment, which will be quite interesting. Okay, we'll probably talk about that here in just a minute. Barry, let me get back to you. Since our last podcast, you guys, you've added two environmental specialists to the team. That's kind of expanded your service offering. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so we've added two experienced PhD environmental scientists to our team. We saw that there was a need from some of our clients to go beyond our waste management expertise and be able to study what the environmental impacts of waste discharges are, you know, whether it's in the sea or onshore, and looking at specific environmental studies, like, you know, the impact on the seabed, toxicity studies, that kind of stuff. So we've added two scientists or team, John Hall and Andy Foster, two guys who have a long experience in the industry. So they're helping us with the environmental aspects of our services. So we're going to talk a little bit later on about the studies we've been doing in the Middle East for some international IOCs, the BPO and the NEBA. So these guys are important, provide the environmental side of it for these that kind of studies. Okay, so you mentioned BPEO and NEBA. And always when I've got people on the podcast and they start throwing out acronyms like that, I always have to back up and say, whoa, (laughs) tell the audience what that is. Yeah, yeah. So the BPEO, it stands for Best Practical Environmental Option. And the NEBA stands for Net Environmental Benefit Analysis. So there are two different types of methodologies to do basically an assessment of different waste management technology options, particularly the BPO, which is the area that we work on mainly. So it's a process that's used a lot by international operators, especially when they're going into new areas and there isn't a standard operating practice in that country, maybe. So we do an assessment of a range of different waste management options. So it could be you know, treating the cuttings with a thermal unit on the rig and recycling fluids on the rig. It could be doing waste subsurface injection in a central facility. It could be taking waste onshore for treatment and recycling and disposal with thermal technology or bioremediation technology. So what we do there, we do a full assessment of all these options and we look at the different environmental impacts of the different options You're looking at carbon emissions, the volumes of waste, logistics involved. And you're also looking at what is the impact on the drilling operation. I mean, you don't want to be doing something if it's going to be detrimental to the drilling operation and cause days and days of extra of downtime and that kind of stuff. So it's a full assessment of different options for oil companies. So when they're starting a drilling project, they can do this full assessment and choose and evaluate which is the best one for their project, which is the best option for minimizing environmental impact, for minimizing costs, 
and uh, reducing risks to their operation. Adrian will talk a little bit, a bit more in detail about this as we go on to the project in the Middle East that we did. Well, Adrian, let's talk about that project in the Middle East. No, absolutely. Absolutely, Russell. So this was quite an interesting project where the client had been engaged with the regulator in the country with regard to what they were doing with their waste streams. The client wanted to do one thing. The operator wasn't quite sure what it wanted, what was the best option. So the best thing, way forward was to do, as Barry has touched on, start with a best practical environmental option, which basically is a pretty good way of looking at all the available technologies to do a certain process. It doesn't just have to be waste management, but waste management fits quite nicely in this little box. And then you basically, you sit with the client and you define the objectives of the best practical environmental option. You know, so you basically say, okay, what is it that we're looking to achieve and to show? And then you move forward and you attempt to define decision criteria that would fit everyone's expectations, the client, any regulators, any NGOs which might be interested. So once you basically have this decision criteria set up, you can start trying to build a matrix to fill in based upon the technologies that you're going to use. So once you have your matrix, you identify your range of options. You know, if we use waste management as a good example, you've got options on a rig offshore from ship to shore, discharge, you know, treatment with a cuttings dryer, for example, treatment with a thermal unit, maybe even some sort of cuttings reinjection. You know, those are the sort of options which could be available or bring everything to shore. And then basically you rank these options based upon the criteria that we've discussed. I mean, the criteria are pretty much uh, clean cut as being environmental impact, uh, stakeholder impact, HSE, compliance to regulations in country or international regulations, a cost impact and then a technical performance and practicality impact. So they're the sort of criteria that you use. And from each of these criteria, you add a weighting, which you discuss with the uh, the client and with the regulator to come up with a 100% value. I mean, for example, the one that we did recently, the environmental impact had a weighting of 30%. The stakeholder impact had a weighting of 10%. The HSC impact, 10%. Compliance impact, 10%. Cost impact, 10%. And technical performance and practicality impact was, whatever the last bit was, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 30%. So that gives you your weighting to the, uh, to the options that you're going to use. You then go ahead and you evaluate and score. If I'm to take an example of the environmental impact, you've got things like you know, emissions to atmosphere, you know, the greenhouse gas value, you know, you've got a, you rate it on a score from one to five. You've got biodiversity impact, you know, a rating of one is impacting UNESCO World Heritage Protected Areas. Five is impact to industrial areas with no measurable impact. So, you know, one's really bad, five's very good. You know, things like residual liabilities for wastes, regulatory compliances, And then when you move into things like compliance, is it compliant with the legislation or is it not compliant with legislation? So you're effectively on a go, no go basis there. Technical, for example, are things like space and weight. 
on the operation, performance, likelihood on the operation, flexibility, availability of the equipment, usage of the equipment in the field right now, cost in things like, you know, is it going to be expensive to build, expensive to run, you know, so you've got a cost impact on CapEx and OpEx. So once you have this matrix set up and then you sit as a group and you rank all of these criteria together and then you apply the weighting that we've discussed, you know, you can weight it, as we say, against cost, against environmental, against technical, and then you get a final score. So any of these technologies, you ask the same questions, you come up with a number for each of the technologies that you want to apply and you get a score. So then you have a ranking of which technology comes out at the best and which technologies come out at the worst. Then most importantly, what you do is you do a sensitivity analysis. This is basically where you fiddle with the numbers to see if a tiny, tiny change has an enormous effect on the ranking, because that is obviously bad. Now, if you do do changes to the numbers and nothing really changes, it means you have a robust, best practical environmental option then it means that the ranking for the different options is pretty solid and most importantly is pretty defendable because this is obviously the next side to it is once you've done all of this as a group you then have to show it to people like regulators or like NGOs and they get their chance to object or to complain or to evaluate and maybe you will say we want to see a higher ranking on environmental or safety but rather than a rank, rather and reduce your ranking on cost, for example. So then you, you can you can come to a halfway house, and then everyone is I wouldn't say happy, but then everyone has had their say, and you have a ranking which is robust and works. And that's how you get to a best practical environmental option ranking. The one that comes at the top of the ranking is then seen as the one to go forward with. Wow, that sounds quite complex. It's actually not bad, Russell. Once you see it in front of you, you know, it's spreadsheets, right? But, you know, you sit as a group and you go through the questions and as a group you discuss and then you evaluate, you know, and, you know, and it's quite obvious. Say you're going to use diesel-based mud, you know, discharging overboard is obviously going to be a one with regards to damage to the environment, for example, and drilling with water-based mud is going to be a five. I would think it would be a zero. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, exactly. So, you know, you try to adjust, you know, you have the whole idea of it is that you have an agreed structure and that you fit the processes into the structure. And then at least you can argue the point and show people how you've come to a number, which I think is quite important in this. It's quite a difficult topic, you know, with regards to environment, but at least you can get to a point where you say, look, you know, this is how we've done how we've calculated it we can weight things differently if you want or if you agree and then this is what the output is okay but in the example that you just gave let's go back over that i was actually trying to take notes and i couldn't (laughs) i couldn't write write fast enough okay so this criteria you're talking about are these weighting factors so you said environmental impact compliance technical performance cost and hse so you've got environmental you've got environmental impact, you've got stakeholder impact, stakeholder impact, stakeholder impact, societal stakeholder impact. You've got HSE risk to personnel. You've got compliance is the fourth one. You've got cost is the fifth one, and you've got technical performance and practicality is the sixth one. So okay, you and the sixth one, one hundred percent. 
But you waited. If what I heard in your example that you were using there, you take those first five, they were weighted at like 10%. And then the last one was the balance, which was no, half of that. Is that, no, no. Is that Environmental right? impact was 30%. Environmental impact was 30%? Yeah. yeah. Societal was 10%. Uh, HSC, risk of personnel, was 10%. Compliance was 10%. Cost was 10%. And technical performance was 30%. So that environmental was, impact and technical performance were the highest weighted. Were the heavy weighted ones. This was the decision made as a group with the operator and the legislator. Okay. And so I have to ask the question, since this is an HSE podcast, of course, you've already got environmental impact. So when you're talking about the HSE part of it, you're actually talking about the health and safety part. Yeah. And it's only at 10%. Is that because we think already we've got most of that covered on a rig? Basically, if you're looking at an offshore operation, the guys are obviously already out there. I mean, if I go to the HSC, so your ranking is from a high level of accident frequency with the potential to cause serious or fatal injuries, which is a one, up to a five, which is a low level of accident, accident frequency with first aid incidents only. Right? That's your ranking from one to five with you know high to low with moderates and in between, basically. I guess where you're coming from is why is it so, why is that HSE, why is risk of personnel at 10% and why isn't, say, technical performance lower and personnel higher? And that's a good question. This is a snapshot of that project. And, you know, we were guided in this direction by the client. Sure, sure. But in the end, what the client got was, is they got the most efficient and economical drilling operation that gave you the best practical environmental options? Well, that's the idea. So there were a number of options in this particular project. They had about five or six different options for treatment on the site or uh, bringing the waste to shore and uh, trying to do something treatment at shore. Their job, their feeling was they wanted to show the regulator by using a function, a best practical environmental option, what was the best way to go forward what technology would best fit. Because what the regulator wanted was one thing. What the operator wanted was something else, naturally, because obviously they never fit. It was up to the two of them to come to a middle ground. So you know, in a way, a way of putting things down on paper with scoring and to come up with not a definitive answer, but come up with a way of discussing it, shall we say. Well, yeah, but I really, this is efficient because I've, going back to my mud engineer days, <laughs> I've seen a lot of fly by your pants, you know, this is what yeah. we're going to do. And nobody ever sits down and truly evaluates it. And I think it's, I'm fascinated by this expertise, this technical expertise and process that you bring to it. I mean, it's, it's a technology that's used by a lot of operators in, in slightly different ways, to be fair, Russell, right? You know, but this is pretty much a format that's, pretty familiar to people in the North Sea. You know, there's generally a BPEO done for most North Sea drilling operations. You know, it, That's North Sea operations. They're doing yeah. it now in the Middle East. Are you guys doing anything over here in the States? Not as yet. We are doing a bit okay. of work down in, down in South America in, in a similar sort of direction. So nothing in the Gulf of Mexico? No. It sounds like we may need to get you in there. (laughs) So if I continue on, I'll tell you what, I'll finish off this, right? So you get to the end where you have, say, the top three in a process environment, which says this is what is going to be best for you. 
There's also the focus on the greenhouse gas, obviously, which is sitting in the criteria as well, right? That's in the, which one is that? Is that the technical performance? No, that's in the environmental criteria. That's right. We'll put in emissions to atmosphere is obviously one of the big hot points at the minute, right? So within the environmental criteria is from major emissions to minor emissions, which I think is quite important. But once you have done all of this, you then end up with this top three projects. And then you move into the NEBA, which is the next stage, where you basically take the one pro- the one technology that you are going to utilize, and then you basically apply what you'd call the NEBA technology, which is effectively... Yeah, tell us what NEBA is again. That's net environmental... Benefit analysis. Okay. Benefit analysis. That's the next part of it, right, is to do that. And effectively, what you're then trying to do is you're just going to identify focus in then with this one technology on how it's going to affect the environmental area so you know you don't have five or six or seven different options you then take the one option and then you look at environmental scoring matrix so this is now purely the environmental element of it so yeah so then this is when you move into the details where you start looking at the marine and the coastal habitats and seeing if your process is going to make any effect upon the marine fauna or on any of the benthic fauna, you know, and then you want to see if it's going to affect. And then again, you're wrapping up with your greenhouse gas equivalent emissions. You're then looking at your NOx and your SOx emissions, which is the air quality. You're looking at your water column impacts. You're looking at your seabed impacts. And then you're looking at any onshore impacts, which would come if you would say bring it to shore or not. So then you're wrapping up more detail on the one specific process that you want to use into the NEBA study. Okay, and so you arrive at... So it's, it's so effectively, it's so effectively you've, taken, yeah, you've taken your one technology and then you're basically making sure that when you stack it up against in a NEBA format, there isn't anything bad, you know, really bad, which sticks out that you might have missed. Okay, well, that sounds reasonable sure and, and responsible. I'm glad to hear about this. This just this confirms the statement I make all the time. The oil and gas industry is not the problem with the environment. They're going to be the solution to the environment. Well, certainly there are tools there to have a very good discussion with people who want to do one thing. You know, if you've got a lot of people who say you should be doing this, you know, because that's much better for the environment, you can say, well, okay, you know, best environmental option or a neighbor analysis, for example, will maybe agree with you or maybe or won't, or won't necessarily agree with you. You know, yeah, exactly. For example, discharging everything overboard in the Gulf of Mexico, for example, which has been done for many, many years, you know, using dryers and everything else, is one way of disposing of waste. I'm sure there's lots of people who push back and say that's a bad thing to do. However, if you then measure, you know, in a best practical environmental option, how it would be handled if you then switch to bringing everything to shore, you know, you added all of the greenhouse gas emissions from using from boats and hauling stuff around in cranes and forklifts and then trucking stuff to remote locations. You can then rapidly see just how bad that would be compared to doing what you're currently doing in the status quo. I hope that wasn't too overbearing, Russell. No, I found it very, it's impressive to see people just, they, they just all of a sudden they come up with all these different you know, let's do this, let's do that. And nobody ever really fully thinks it out like you were just talking about. Well, yeah, but what about the environmental impact on this? It sounds good, but is it really? It's quite interesting because when you break down the different options, uh, as I say, if you go from either end of the spectrum, which is you've got a rig, which is drilling and you're discharging overboard through a dryer, 
you know, meeting, meeting, meeting technical specs. All your options are to not discharge overboard and then haul everything to shore and then take it, you know, X hundred kilometers, say, to a landfill site or to a salt cavern and discharge it there. Is that necessarily better? Is the question. Right. Exactly. And people will argue till they're blue in the face, one side or the other. Now, tools like uh, like NEBA and BPO, which can be used, it's not definitive, but can be used to at least put everything into a format, you know, have a discussion about criteria, have a discussion about weighting, pick numbers, you know, quite clearly from one to five, whether it's good or bad or in the middle. And then you can rank all the different technologies and then you have a decision, then you have a clear I wouldn't call it a winner. Then you have a clear technology which performs better with a process that you can quite clearly see how it's worked and is completely transparent. No, that's exactly right. Well, this has been very interesting, very informative. Before we sign off here, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about. I actually, I believe I saw this on your website, but you support innovative technology companies by helping them introduce new environmental technologies to the global market. Can you comment on anything interesting here? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, we are working with a company that's, you know, recycling oil-based mods, for example. That's a technology that comes from another industry. They use it for in the industrial sector. But we're helping them adapt it and make it cost-effective and environmentally effective for the oil and gas industry. So that's just one technology that we're working on to help those guys develop and make it effective for the oil and gas industry and help recycle and reuse waste drilling fluids. Another area that we're working on as well with a small company is in the area of washing oily cuttings as opposed to using thermal systems because washing is much less energy intensive than it is with a thermal unit. So that's an early stage development, but we've been helping them with the chemistry and with some trials of their technology in the Middle East. The results of that have been quite good so far. You know, and in my experience, I've worked in the industry for a long time, and it does tend to be smaller, innovative companies who bring these new technologies to the market. So they don't always have the resources of the big companies, to go and take the technology to a global market. So we're helping them with our experience and, you know, and our global presence as well. Well, there you go, folks. Any of you out there in that position, this may have been worth the price of admission. Again, thanks, Barry. Thanks, Adrian. Really appreciate you coming on the show again. And as always, thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you could write us a good review on iTunes, Spotify, or just simply use the review link that's listed in the show notes, we'd really appreciate it. Please tell your friends to listen, post us on LinkedIn and your other social media. And also, folks, if you find this podcast beneficial, make sure you help us keep it up and running by reaching out to our sponsor, KnowledgeVine. Go to their website at www.knowledgevine.com. Click on the Contact Us button and let them know that you appreciate podcast. If you want to discover the best human performance improvement training and technologies adapted from the nuclear and aviation industries, then KnowledgeVine is your dependable partner for full-service human performance and safety consulting. Knowledge Vine is error reduction that works, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Russell. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.